0: Morning everybody. Nice to see you. Some I recognize, some are new. And I I just want to thank you for having me. I'm Terry Eichelberger, guest speaker, but part of your family by now. It's been a while, huh? It's so good to be here. I've I've always enjoyed church all my life. I was uh, kind of born and raised in Christian Missionary Alliance, so even more so it feels like coming home to be here. Uh, I was always active. I always loved the church. It was a place for me that uh, was a special word, I guess. Um, I can't say that it was always fun. You know, church is boring. Growing up as a kid. But there were moments, and I remember those moments, when I knew that I was in a special place because the Lord touched my heart from when I was a little kid all the way through my life and into adult and ministry. In that, I was really grateful that Pastor Steve called me uh, in between the book of Ephesians, which we did a few weeks ago, and this, what we're doing now. Um, And Pastor Steve called and said, Hey, Terry, do you have an idea of what might be good for us to talk about? And I was saying, well, thanks for asking. Um, Me being the guest and all, I appreciate that. And I said, well, it might be interesting to talk about how a church can prepare for a new pastor. Because uh, you've been working hard to think about and, and prepare for the day when a pastor will come. And you will say, we now have a pastor. Well, what a wonderful thing. But what do you do? To prepare for that. And uh, I had just an interest in that kind of conversation saying, well, uh, maybe we should talk about some of the pastor epistles like Timothy. We said that's an option. You could talk about Titus or, you know, some of those instructions to pastors. But have all of us think about how we could help the pastor if he is responsible for what we just read Can you imagine the kind of responsibility that might be if your pastor is hearing this from his teachers or mentors and saying, now when you go to Hillsboro, you're going to be responsible to be this kind of a man. Don't get involved in arguments. That's foolishness. But raise up the gospel. Isn't that what we just read? And so the man who's coming here is being told by his leadership all around him, no matter what those people in Hillsborough are like, you be responsible for this and lead them into an understanding of how the church is supposed to be in ministry. Now, we just finished in the book of Ephesians talking about how you and I, members of the body of Christ, part of the church of the Lord, the building that He is raising up to be a place of dwelling for the Father, and by His Spirit, He is here. We are vested into this ministry because in Ephesians 4, remember, it says that God Himself has given gifts to the church, some to be of Apostles, some to be evangelists, some to be prophets, pastors, and teachers to equip the saints for ministry. Here we are partnering together with the gift of God, the pastor, and evangelists, and all those gifts that are being sent to you. Some of you are sitting here as gifts to the church. That's what God has done to equip the saints for ministry. I appreciate earlier what was said about In the prayer, thank you. You have prepared good work for us to do. That was in your prayer this morning. Thank you, Father. You've prepared good work for us to do. Well, if we come to church with that idea in mind, then what is our attitude toward our pastor when he stands up to give us his gift? I want us to really consider that. How do you think about it when someone like me gets up I'm about to be a gift to you. So you're going to have some sort of response to that, hopefully, like you would to a gift. Say, well, let's unwrap that with excitement enthusiasm and see what's in this for us because you really have some self-interest. The fact that you came to church from God's perspective to be equipped for the good work that He has ordained for you to do to be equipped for ministry. And the man, woman, all all of you that took part in this this morning were getting us to a place where we could be in tune to receive what God has for us so that we're equipped a little better after we leave here today to do some of the good work God has ordained for us to do. How can we think about our pastor in a way that encourages him to do his very, very best at what he's called to do. Think about the worship team. They were here to do a specific thing. Music, worship, and somehow bring unity for us. I'm a musician. I I was in a band. I played trombone. I, I know this system where everything has to be in tune just to get started before the concert begins you have this chaotic noise that happens right and everybody is tuning away and what's happening tuning and in the process every person playing an instrument is responsible for paying attention to one thing and that's a single note that's being played And everyone has to adjust their instrument to that one note. I hope you did that this morning. In a sense, that when we come together, the worship is to bring the most important instruments in this room all into the same sound. You know the most important instrument of worship? Your heart. Thank God, because we don't all sing really well. No, the most important instrument is your heart. And the intention of worship leaders is to get the hearts of as many people as possible in tune with the song that's about to be played. God wants you in tune with Him. And part of the job of the songs we sang and the, the messages that you heard in those songs was to take you from wherever you were in the chaos and the sound and the, and, the, and the dissonance of your life and to bring about a tuning so that we can be here together and, and all say, oh, okay, now we're on the same note and the chords sound like they blend. Isn't that a wonderful place to be? I love going to concerts, and, and we all do. We love music when it's done well. And we really cringe when somebody hits that bad note. Because it's built into us to crave for unity, to crave for some oneness, right? That's how God draws us together to Himself. Question still remains. Then, as we look at our pastor, he is an instrument of God. We are encouraging him to be in. In some way the tuning fork. Say, do you hear it? That sound. Bong. Now, can you sing that note? Are you on the same you know, the same frequency? And when we come together, a pastor is really called to be a kind of tuning fork, a kind of initial sound, right? And then when you hear the sound, the message. From his heart, we as members of the body of Christ are then told, listen and tune yourself so that you form a kind of unity of a chord of music together. So you're not all going to sing the same. Did you hear some of the harmonies today? Thank you very much. Some of you in the worship team know how to sing harmony. I like that. They're singing the same song but not exactly the same note and yet together it sounds nice thank you we say when we listen to the pastor it's just one note but it's supposed to begin an orchestra of sound how are we going to somehow support that i i have so much to say about this and i was grateful that steve gave me two sundays in a row so if i run out of steam today i'll just come back next week Because my heart as a pastor is to see as many people as possible in tune, not with me necessarily, but my responsibility as the pastor was to bring about a note that I heard from God Himself and say, do you hear the sound of God? And and hopefully a lot of people in, in congregation will say, I heard that sound too, and I'm trying to adjust my heart to be in tune with that, so that my life will be in tune with that. We are to learn from Timothy uh, what it was like for him so that the example of his life can help us. Do you think the world of Ephesus is anything like ours? When I describe it, you might say, yeah. Yeah. It probably is. Human beings have been pretty much the same for quite a few thousand years. Back in the day, uh, you know, Steve took you through what Ephesus was all about. The, the town, the city really, was the center of commerce, the center for education. It was the center of, of tourism, really. There was a, a, a temple of Diana there where everyone uh, that was Greek at least wanted to come and be part of this great thing that happened it was whatever that happened there was this statue of Diana and you know that in the book of Acts they talked about this huge gathering where everyone was shouting great is the Ephesians and the goddess Diana and they would just worship her and shout and, and that was a big deal for Ephesus and in the midst of it all Paul had come, and he had established a a church there. He went on his way, and as the letter of 2 Timothy is being written, Paul has been arrested for preaching and planting churches, and he's been put in jail, and he's about to be executed. For what? The preaching of the gospel. In this context... Timothy had traveled with Paul throughout his missionary journeys, and now Timothy was raised up to become the pastor of this church in Ephesus. What a great job, huh? Maybe not so much. He's being sent to a place where Paul said, I faced the lions. Wow. Sheep among wolves. Isn't that what Jesus said? And Paul was experiencing that. In Ephesus, he faced such trials. And now he's writing to this young man, Timothy, who is timid by nature, and being told, Stand there now. Fight a good fight. Run a good race. Hold on to your faith in Ephesus. Well, if you think about what Timothy was being asked to do, he was bringing a message to a place that was already full of other messages, okay? So just let me just review real quick with you what the Scripture we read, right? Timothy, I want you to be strong in the grace of the Lord Jesus. Be strong in that grace. And, and, and study to be approved of God, or, or the, 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 the version I use says, study to show yourself approved unto God. I use it because that's the one I learned in Awana, right? study show yourself approved unto God well in the midst of that there's a whole lot of other institutions out there that are asking him to seek their approval right the approval of the academics the approval of the businessmen the approval of the religious people the approval of probably the healthcare system and the law enforcement and all the other parts that make a city a city when Timothy comes all of them would be saying we want you to join our agenda Timothy, and he is told. There's a whole lot of vessels in this house. Some of them are for noble things. Some of them are not noble things. Timothy, you need to be the noble one. You know what Timothy means? It means honor God. Timote. That's, that's what that means. If you want Greek, it's honor God. I love that because my grandson is named Timothy. Timothy i pray for him that he'll be an honor to god that's that's what timothy's name means and that's what he was called to do in the midst of a city full of all the other agendas that any city has our city has those same agendas it's personal to me and and partly why i'm kind of grateful to steve for saying let's let's talk about this because for me this is a personal journey that i was you know i was on most of my life i was a school teacher for a while I always worked in church as a, as a support, sometimes elder, sometimes I shared in, in the pastoral work. I was always a worship leader. Uh, as, as I shared in those things, then I grew as also be in a missionary role. I went to be a missionary in a couple of places, South America, Colombia, and Russia for a while. In all of that, it's very personal to me in the sense that I've, I have sensed what Timothy must have felt. Here I go to a new place. I'm coming with all of this behind me of a sense of calling. I'm called by God to do this. And yet I come into a place where when I arrive, I, I arrive in a situation where people say, Well, welcome to town, Pastor. I'm glad you're here. What do you know about this? And they come with an agenda. Right? What do you know about this? And they come with that agenda. And... What I really want to say is, well, I didn't come for that. I didn't come to help you with your latest agenda. I didn't come to help you with your latest cause. I, I really came here to be a representative of the gospel of Jesus. And I think that that's going to be what you need. So that complicates the whole message, right? Right? Back to my original question. How do we, as the church, help the pastor stay on his focus? Because he is being told by the leadership, by all of the seminary training, by all of the people who have approved him, say, You're a pastor. We know you're called. It's like Paul would have said to Timothy, We know. That God has called you for this because we laid hands on you. We prayed for you. We saw the grace of God come on your life. And we know that that's in you. So stir it up, Timothy. You know, that's what's being said to Timothy. And I I want you to to kind of make a decision before your pastor comes that that that's what you'll be like. (laughs) Because if he does his job the best he can do it and fulfills God's purpose for him, It will be the best thing for you because it will equip you to do the ministry that God has for you to do. Let's dig into this a little bit. I want you to see some of the things that Paul uses to encourage Timothy in this and then uh, hopefully we'll, we'll get a little clarity about this. First statement he makes. Be strong in the grace of our Lord Jesus. Sounds good. That's what a pastor should do. Be strong in the grace of our Lord Jesus and do it according to the things that you learned from me. That's what Paul is saying. Okay? So, learning from Paul. This is a really good Bible. Whose is it? Thank you, ever its it is. It doesn't have a name on it. Nice. So I'm going to read from it, okay? Turn with me to Galatians. This is where Paul says uh, what, his, you know, what his teaching is. He says, Timothy, you know my teaching. I want you to teach what you heard from me. And it's really good to read what Paul says. Galatians chapter 1. I want you to know. This is verse 11, chapter 1. I want you to know, brothers, that the gospel I preached is not something that man made up. Big key right there. Hold on to that. What I'm teaching you did not come from man. That's big point number one. I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it. Rather, I received it by revelation from Jesus Christ. When your pastor comes, according to the New Testament, and Paul, what he's saying to Timothy This is huge right here. When you expect a pastor to speak to you, this is where he's coming from. At least we hope so. (laughs) Otherwise, he's teaching you things of man and stuff we read out of a book somewhere. I mean, that general idea. We want to hear from God when we come to church. Say amen. Verse 13, For you have heard of my previous way of life in Judaism, how intensely I persecuted the church of God and tried to destroy it. I was advancing in Judaism beyond many Jews of my own age, and I was extremely zealous for the traditions of my fathers. But when God, who set me apart from birth and called me by His grace, was pleased to reveal His Son to me, so that I might preach him among the Gentiles. I did not consult any man, nor did I go up to Jerusalem to see how those who were apostles before I was. But I went immediately to Arabia and later returned to Damascus. And then after three years, I went to Jerusalem to get acquainted with Peter and stayed with him 15 days. Goes on to describe then where Paul got his teaching. We, we are academic people, we Americans, especially those of you that are you know, in fields that require that you go to college and you get educated and, and all of that. And, and sometimes we cringe at this. We come to church and we're told to believe something where someone's saying, I heard from God. Yeah. Let's let's just let that set, okay? That's what Paul is saying to Timothy. When you get up to speak, be strong in the grace of God. The grace that came to you when we laid hands on you and we spoke prophecy over you that came from God. That's where you're going to come from, Timothy. Not the Hebrew University that I was number one. I was top student there. That's what Paul said not from that and it's not from those those big name people that you call apostles i mean i met them but it's not from them it's the word that you get from the grace of jesus christ so then he gives these three examples of how your mind should should get around this idea the grace of god is how you're supposed to be strong and he says three things, right? Be like a soldier, be like an athlete, and be like a farmer. I've not been a soldier, but I relate pretty well to the other two. I grew up on a farm and I, I, was, I went to college as an athlete. So I like those two. I, I, I respect the soldier. I really do, but I haven't been one. But in, in that, I thought it might be good for us to listen to what each of these would say to us if we asked them, okay? The testimony of a soldier. If a soldier were to address this and say, okay, Timothy, I'm a soldier, and this is what we say makes us strong. Okay? The creed of a soldier. Take a look at that. If you can read it, I don't know the words will be big enough, but here's a, a soldier's creed. Can we pop that up on the screen? Somebody back there? Yeah. So, Soldiers' Creed. Here's one. I mean, there's a whole bunch of them, and if you've been in the military, you had to say one of these whichever role in the military you were. Here's the general one. I am an American soldier. Here we go. I am a warrior, a member of a team. I serve the people of the United States and live the army values. I will always place the mission first. I will never accept defeat. I will never quit. I will never leave a fallen comrade. I am disciplined, disciplined, Physically, mentally tough, trained and proficient in my warrior tasks and drills. I always maintain my arms, my equipment, and myself. I am an expert and I am a professional. I stand ready to deploy, engage, and destroy the enemies of the USA in close combat. I am a guardian of freedom and the American way of life. I am an American soldier. A salute to anyone who has been in the military today. Thank you for this. Paul says, be strong in the grace of the Lord Jesus like a soldier is strong in his commitment to serve. That's inspiring stuff right there. He says, be strong like an athlete is strong. So if an athlete were to step up, oh, I'll be one, and say this is what I committed to when I was an athlete. This is how you need to be when you are strong in the grace of Jesus. So here's one example of an athletic contract. Let me put that up next. As an athlete, I recognize the commitment that is included while participating in an athletic team. I understand that participation on a team is a privilege to be earned. I will always strive to improve my skills and improve the team. I will always work to represent myself in a positive manner. I understood that honor. Integrity, good sportsmanship are keys to my success. I understand that alcohol, tobacco and drugs are harmful to my body and I will limit and will limit my improvement and that of the team. And I understand that if I do not represent myself on the team in a positive way, the athletic department will have the authority to suspend or remove me from the team involvement. I have read and understand the above expectations for participation in athletics. I signed those I changed the way I live because I wanted to be one of these guys. Be strong in the grace of Jesus Christ. Like that. The athlete would say, that's what I, that's what I signed up for. Good stuff. How about the farmer? I love that guy. The farmer, Paul says, be like him. Now, these, these three relate very much into how Paul has written his whole letter. When he first starts to talk to Timothy, he said, I want you to fight a good fight. I want you to run a race, and I want you to hold the faith. Keep your faith. And then at the end of Timothy, 2 Timothy, Paul says, I have fought a good fight. I have run the race, and I have kept the faith and there is set up for me a reward, a a crown of righteousness for me. So these themes are all the way through everything that Paul is writing to Timothy. And keeping the faith is what farmers do. You'd never be a farmer if you didn't have this kind of grit and faith. I like this one, though. This is, I I think most of you heard Paul Harvey's version of this, maybe. It's, it's, A shorter one of that on the eighth day God looked down on his planned paradise and said I need a caretaker it had to be somebody who would plow deep and straight not cut corners somebody who would seed and weed and feed and breed and rake and disc and plow and plant and tie the fleece and strain the milk somebody to replenish the self-feeder finish hard days of work with a five-mile drive to church Somebody who would bail a family together with soft, strong bonds of sharing and who would laugh and then sigh and then respond with smiling eyes when his son says he wants to spend his life doing what dad does. So God made a farmer. I respect that. I grew up around farmers, worked the fields, helped a little bit. Be strong in the grace of the Lord, like a farmer is strong. When Pastor comes here, can we have that kind of a cheerleader aspect to us? So go, Pastor. Be the best you can be, like a soldier, like a, an athlete, like a farmer. Fight the fight. Run the race. Be strong and finish. Because when you do, Pastor, it will be better for all of us. I've lived in the church and found it to be the place where I experienced love in a way that was the deepest, most inspiring, joyful experience my entire life. And... The most hurtful, wounded place I've ever, ever experienced. Love is like that. If you open yourself up to love, the deepest love there is, the Father's love, makes us a bit vulnerable. It does. And yet, this is what Paul is asking Timothy to be in front of all the people that he's going to in Ephesus. That kind of a person and all the people of the church are to join in this risky behavior that ended up putting Paul in jail, in prison. There's the good news and the bad news of that, of of joining a church right there. You will be loved and experience joy in a way that is beyond this world better than anything the world could offer and it's dangerous it's not necessarily a safe place even if you're wearing a mask (laughs) and may I use that metaphor masks are such a common protection for us in you know a wider sense than just your health care And churches are full of them, masks that we wear. And as we think about this, it it isn't isn't like I'm criticizing it. I'm just describing the world that we come from. Because when we come from wherever we are out, out in our life, we're coming from one of the spheres of society that we've chosen to live in. Some of you are business people. That's... The world you come from, that's the mentality that you hold when you come to church. That's how you think. You, some of you are academics and you're in the school and education and, and that is how you think. It's, I know that. I lived that. 20 years I was a math teacher. And and we come from a certain way of thinking. Some of you are in healthcare; You have a way of thinking about life. Some of you are in politics. You have a way of thinking about All of that comes into the church when we gather together because... That's the way the church is supposed to be. That's the way heaven describes the church. People from every tongue, every tribe, every nation, every ethnic group are gathered around the throne. And they submit to one person, the glorious Lamb of God. Worthy is He to receive all of our honor, all of our praise, all of the glory. And every sphere of society comes together and submits to The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. That is an incredibly beautiful thing when it happens. But let me tell you, my experience as a pastor, as a missionary, as a school teacher, all of that really causes some problems in church. Which is why Paul said to Timothy, study to show yourself approved You got that? To God. Because you're going to be asked to be approved to the academic world. You're going to be asked to be approved by all of the other spheres of society. And Timothy, what are you going to say? No wonder Paul said to him, God has not given you a spirit to fear, but to love and power and of a sound mind because you're going to need it. When you're forced into a situation and that sphere of society comes and says, hey, are you this? I mean, I had that experience when I was being interviewed for my job. Some, bless her heart, grandma says to me, so are you a Republican? <laughs> do I answer that? From the grace of God in my life? How do I answer that? From... Be strong in the grace of the Lord Jesus. There's all of that happening. And, and as I said, I was grateful to Steve that he said, well, let's talk about it. Huh? Let's talk about how to support the pastor in the midst of all of the vessels in the house, all of the stuff in the house. And, and to be noble, to be an honor to God. Timothy, learn to be approved unto God. I'm running out of time. A couple examples I want to just, just close with. When, when people bring their agendas into church and they want stuff to happen according to their agenda, one funny one and one not so funny. When I was in Colombia, I had an opportunity to go out to the jungle and, and our purpose was we were going to go out and take the Jesus film and we, we brought a, a generator to run one of those old reels so we could show the film on the side of a, a building. And that was our idea. So we come out there, and we hitch a ride with the priest who is coming on his rounds. And as he comes around, he is, he is going to do the, the Catholic service for every village when he comes, right? So he comes to this village, and he is sorely disappointed at what these people have done with the church building. Because the Catholic Church came and they built this building and they put a little uh, storage box up in front where the communion was supposed to be when the priest would come. Then he'd have a place to put the communion and the, and the bread and wine would be there. And, and what these people had done was gone uh, to the sports competition in the, late, in the local village and all the villages came together and they played volleyball and this village won. And they had a trophy. And they thought, what a better place to put the trophy than right on that little shelf in the church. That's perfect. And they brought their celebration of athletic uh, accomplishment and they set it up in, in the perfect place. Except when the priest came, you can imagine his sermon that day about what the church is really for. And how dare they bring their agenda of winning the volleyball tournament and make it the center of attention at the church. That's a little bit funny. More on the serious side, when I was in Russia, we encountered this kind of idea. Talk about agenda being brought into the church, okay? When the church was free to grow in Russia, Jesus was being preached freely, nothing against it, nobody's being put in jail for it and churches were starting to grow, we encountered some interesting ideology coming into the church. I, I went to Russia to be a teacher and help church planting, and so I was teaching Bible and pastoral work and, and you know how to do the church, really. That's what we were doing. And we encountered this idea. Very, very intelligent man coming into church, having completely believed in the ideology of communism as taught, through Marxist teaching and and that, that that ideology was was really a wonderful plan for the way people should live, They truly believed ideology would be right. What the problem was is that we didn't do it right, okay? So the Russian plan didn't work out, and we blew it. But the ideology itself is a good ideology, and so therefore, Jesus is a model and a powerful unifying force that should be able to accommodate this ideology. Now we'll be able to see it fulfilled because after all, the teachings of Jesus line up so well with communism. It's going to work this time. And we, coming from where we come from, all my life I had this, this... Let's tear down the wall. I mean, let's, let's get rid of that and let Jesus come to Russia and set them free, right? And yet I realized this ideology was not going to just go away. It was brought into the church and argued very aggressively that this should be how we bring the grace of Jesus into our lives. Because this ideology really, I mean, Jesus obviously was the... Ultimate communists. Look what he said. How do you stop that? And there would be Timothy being forced into a situation to say, Are you going to agree with this? Or, or where do you stand on this, Timothy? And Timothy rightly would be told, Don't get involved in that argument, Timothy. Don't get involved in that quarrel. Be strong in the grace of the Lord. Lift up the gospel of Jesus and preach it. Now, I just barely started. So, next week, we'll dig into more specifically what it means to be in a vessel, a house with all these vessels, and separate yourself to be the vessel of honor, which, which kind of means, okay, what are you going to be about? a vessel of honor that's approved unto God so these guys have been waiting a long time I said I was going to close like 10 minutes ago <laughs> let's just ask God to bless this what, we, what we've had a little bit I just loaded you up and just let it sink in and uh, take what God has for us so worship team if you're there you can hear me come on out Lord, we need you so much. We need you so much. And I just pray that today would be an opportunity where, where we can just take a few bites of this, digest it, and uh, just make some decisions that will bring us into alignment with your purpose for us in this church, your purpose for the pastor that's coming, and just help us to be uh, honoring to you in this. So as we worship, as we, as we sing this song, God, help it to really uh, resonate in our soul and, and tune our hearts to who you are. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.